There he goes. One of God's own prototypes. A high-powered mutant of some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, and too rare to die. Welcome to episode 19 of the Digital Freemason Podcast for the week of March 13th, 2006. I'm your host, Scott, and I'll be taking you along on my journey through the world of short Masonic educational papers. Many of these papers have been presented in my lodge, King George Lodge, number 59, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. This week's podcast focuses on the Roslyn Chapel near Roslyn Village, Scotland. In a somewhat ambitious attempt to link this week's subject to last week's topic of apprenticeship, I have two short papers on the Roslyn Chapel. The first paper by Diane McLean, and it gives an overall viewpoint of the Roslyn Chapel and the surrounding area and then delves a bit into the apprentice pillar. The second paper deals with the uh, apprentice pillar itself in more detail, and it was something that I gleaned while doing some research for this episode. Like so much of the history of Freemasonry, it is difficult to to determine with complete certainty how much the legends are true. Regardless of the actual history behind Rosalind Chapel, the Knights Templar and whatever it is that they found in the Temple of Solomon, and the legendary death of the apprentice who created this pillar, the chapel and surrounding area continues to be of interest to those in, around, and interested in the history of Freemasonry. As a building, Rosalind Chapel, on the outskirts of Edinburgh, is intriguing. The exterior features Gothic gargoyles and flying buttresses, while inside there are ornate pillars, carvings, and and an extraordinary ceiling. As a place of mystery, it is a magnet for those with exotic, some might say outlandish, theories. Built in the mid-15th century by some of the best stonemasons in Europe, the chiseled scenes and symbols, which have been easily understood by their medieval audiences, but seem to baffle us somewhat today. The most striking example of their craft is the apprentice pillar, which is beautifully carved and entwined by stone coils. It symbolizes the tree of life, with carving snakes around from the bottom to the top. Supposedly carved by an apprentice, the master stonemason was so enraged when he saw the young man's work that he murdered him. The pillar itself has a number of outlandish theories attached to it. One theory is that these coiled spirals look just like our modern-day representation of the double helix of DNA. Isn't it just too coincidental that in the 15th century, a young man so carved out the exact form of DNA when hundreds of years later, down the road at the Roslyn Institute, Dolly the sheep would become the world's first animal to have their DNA cloned? Did that somebody know about the DNA back then, or did they supernaturally foretell the news? Beneath the floor of the Roslyn is a massive underground vault, The chambers were sealed in 1690 and had been never reopened. Obviously, there was a lot of speculation as to what was inside the vault. The village of Roslyn, where the chapel sits, is considered by those who believe in such things to be a thin place where the lines between our world and other worlds are fuzzy, where the unusual is usual and the impossible is possible. Roslyn, about 20 miles south of the capital, has been part of an odd series of events over the years. A Scottish army of only 8,000 won an unlikely victory over an English army of 30,000 in the 13th century. 
The hamlet of Barneybridge, about 35 miles northeast of Roslyn, is a leading UFO hotspot, and people there have known to have been quite successful in winning, winning lotteries. And in Roslyn, in 1446, Sir William St. Clair decided to build a chapel. To understand the mystery surrounding Roslyn, a quick history of the Knights Templar is required. This order of warrior monks was created in 1118 to protect pilgrims on the way to and from the Holy Land. There was a house. They were housed in the Temple of Solomon and soon became wealthy despite their vow of poverty. They became so influential that in 1307, Philip of France acted to destroy them. Many were burned at the stake, but some were said to have escaped and found sanctuary in Scotland. Over the years, many have hypothesized that the Templars were guardians of a great secret. The Ark of the Covenant or other religious relics have been suggested as these secrets. According to legend, whatever the Templars knew or found sailed with its survivors on, uh, during the coup and found its way to Scotland. Among the contenders for these secrets are the one true cross, and this leads to a fanciful theory that in the vaults is contained the one true cross upon which Jesus Christ was crucified. The Templar Treasure Scotland becomes the headquarter for Knights Templar, although vaguely possible theories hold that when the Templar fleet escaped La Rochelle in western France, they took with them some of the treasures of gold and silver and jewels. This legendary treasure also suggests a striking explanation for some of the more unlikely carvings. Botanists have confirmed that there were depictions of sweet corn and cacti in the chapel. South American plants were of that kind were unknown in Europe at the time the chapel was built. Sir William St. Clair's grandfather, Sir Henry St. Clair, may have sailed from Orkney to America in 1398, nearly a hundred years before Columbus. The reason he sailed? To take the Templar treasure from Roslyn to the New World, where it could be buried in safety, a place no one would think, think of searching. The sweet corn. While Sir Henry stayed in Nova Scotia building a treasure pit, some of his shipmates possibly sailed further north and brought back samples of these indigenous plants. The Holy Grail. In 1962, Grail seeker Trevor Ravenscore scoffed, claimed that a lead casket was buried in the apprentice pillar. This casket contained the Holy Grail itself, the cup used by Jesus at the Last Supper, and used again at the foot of the cross to collect his blood. Buried for years under the Temple of Solomon, it was found when the Templars excavated the area and has been kept hidden ever since. Quite what Ravencroft used for evidence that ends up in the pillar has never really been explained. The whole notion of there being a holy cross is speculative in itself, never mind trying to prove that it's in a pillar in the Roslyn Chapel. The Holy Scrolls While in their book, The Hiram Key, published in 1996, Christopher Knight and Robert Lomas claimed the pillar contained ancient scrolls that proved Jesus was a mason and the whole Masonic ritual goes back to pre-Christian times. Once again, the theory claims that the Templars found this out during excavation. Once again, the evidence is lacking. The Head of Jesus Christ Scrolls and cups are all very well, but not nearly as exciting as Dr. Keith Ladler's theory. 
1998 book, The Head of God, Ladler claimed the head of the Knights Templar worshipped, sometimes called Baphomet, was actually Jesus Christ. He writes that the head was brought out of the Holy Land and removed from France once things got too hot. And yes, again, hidden in the apprentice pillar. As they say, we will believe it when we see it. The blood of Jesus Christ, the piece de resistance of Rosalind lore, is the most startling of all. Rosalind's imagery, the figures, the ceiling, the pillar, the floors, points inescapably to the real secret encoded are there. We have had Jesus' blood, Jesus' head, and lo and behold, we also have Jesus' DNA. For the Holy Grail is nothing less than the bloodline of Christ. The child of the child of the child of Jesus Christ and Mary Magdalene is alive and well and living in Rosalind. And before you make a fool of yourself, be warned, Jesus' ancestor is not the lady who runs the tea shop around the back. The second piece is called More on the Legends of the Apprentice Pillar, and was, as I said, gleaned from uh, doing some research on this week's topic. Of the many mysteries and legends which envelope Rosalind Chapel, few can be so well known as that surrounding the Apprentice Pillar. The legend concerns the murdered apprentice with its overt reference to the initiation rituals of ancient guilds of stonemasons, which stretch back to the murder of Hiram Abiff, the master mason, at the time of the building of King Solomon's temple in Jerusalem. Thus, the murder of the apprentice at Rosalind is seen as a symbolic reenactment of the murder of Hiram Abiff, which, today, has immense spiritual and emotional connotations for the worldwide fraternity of Freemasons. The story of the murdered apprentice runs as follows. The master mason, having received from his patron the model of a pillar of exquisite workmanship and detail, hesitated to carry it out until he had been to Rome or some such foreign part and seen the original. He went abroad, and in his absence, an apprentice, having dreamed the finished pillar, at once set to work and carried out the design as it now stands as a perfect marvel of workmanship. The master mason, on returning, was so stung with envy that he asked who dared to do this in his absence. On being told it was his own apprentice, he was so inflamed with rage and passion that he struck him with his mallet, killed him on the spot, and eventually paid the penalty for his rash and cruel, cruel act. This legend comes down to us in an almost unaltered form since the foundation of the chapel. A previous minister at Rosalind, the Reverend Thompson, claimed that the Bishop of St. Andrews, within whose diocese Rosalind lies, was actually in Rome at the time when the chapel was nearing completion and obtained from the Pope a dispensation to reconcile Rosalind, that is, to clean it from the pollution of some deed of violence committed within its precincts. The details of the particular circumstances that made it necessary to reconcile Rosalind are not given, but it is at least seems likely that it may have had something to do with the account that has so faithfully been preserved. Further confirmation of the long-lasting nature of the legend is given in an account now over 330 years old. Two miles on we saw Rosalind Chapel, a very pretty design, but was never finished, the choir only and a little vault. The roof is all stone, with good imagery work. There is, there is a better man at exact description of the stories than he at Westminster Abbey. This story is told to us that the master builder went abroad to see good patterns, 
But before his return, his apprentice had built one pillar which exceeded all that he could ever do or had seen. Therefore he slew him. And he showed us the head of the apprentice on the wall with a gash in his forehead and his master's head opposite him. This came from Thomas Kirk in an account of a tour of Scotland in 1677. Additional support for this puzzling story comes from the persistent tradition that before its completion, Rosalind Chapel had to be reconsecrated. Who can honestly tell what further investigations may disclose? Some things, however, are beyond doubt, and foremost among them is the innate quality of the apprentice pillar itself. The design and workmanship displayed by this strange carving surpasses in skill the vast majority of all the other inspired sculptures of even this mystical church. It is alleged that the apprentice himself originally came from the Orkneys, and the pillar for which he gave his life represents the Yggdrasil tree of North's mythology, the world ash which binds together heaven, earth, and hell. The crown of this tree comprises the twelve constellations of the zodiac. The spiraling branches symbolize the planets, and the roots of the tree dig deeply into the elements of the earth. At the bottom of the pillar, the dragons of Niflheim can be seen gnawing at the roots of the tree to rob it of its fruitfulness. The pillar itself represents a kind of transformation of an ancient pagan conception into the Christian tree of life. Thus the curious mixture of Celtic, pagan, Greek, and medieval Christian spiritual references presents in this, are present in this unique chapel. We now have to add Norse influences as well. So the mysteries surrounding Rosalind Chapel appear to be many. I'm not sure that there is much merit to the area around it being thin in regards to accessing other worlds and dimensions. The legend of the Knights Templar's treasure have made for some interesting books by others as well. Whether it's coincidental that most of these novels written about the history of the Knights Templar and Freemasonry inevitably include Rosalind Chapel, um, are kind of left up to uh, conjecture, and may only be because it's an easy topic to include. Or, but on the other hand, maybe there's actually something to it that is likely lost forever in the antiquities of time. What is known is that the exquisite craftsmanship that went into the building of the chapel is breathtaking, and in particular the apprentice pillar, whatever its history is, is a truly breathtaking sight to behold from the standpoint of Freemasonry. Thanks for listening to The Digital Freemason. I've been your host, Scott, and I've enjoyed our time together. If you would like a transcript of this podcast, please feel free to visit our website at www.kinggeorgelodge.com. If you have any comments or ideas for further podcasts, please feel free to email me at podcast at kinggeorgelodge.com. I look forward to hearing from you, and I wish you a very good week.